We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Her Hoop Stats Podcast Unplugged. That's right, this is not Megan Gower, and it's not John Little. Uh, Aaron Barsley here hosting today while Megan is out. Happy to report she's en route to uh, Game 5 in uh, Washington for the WNBA Finals, which is something we'll be talking about a lot uh, today, I think. Uh, welcome, and thank you so much for listening. Thanks for all of your support for Her Hoop Stats. I hope you had a chance to catch the uh, great interview that uh, John did with Brian Agler earlier this week. Definitely worth a listen and still plenty of time uh, before Game 5 starts. It was really interesting to hear his thoughts about um, you know, really the season, the off season and building towards the future. Today, we have a special guest star joining us. Uh, happy, happy to have Ben Dull on the line. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Always good to have a uh, media superstar. Can't even keep track really of uh, all the different places you've been writing and also uh, podcasting right on the Locked On Women's Basketball podcast this year. So um, I expect you to be a pro, really raise our game. I'm definitely a little rusty since I haven't been on in a few weeks. I'll try my best. I've I've uh, I've tapered off quite a bit with the podcasting as well. <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice that. I understand them. Understandable. So uh, you were out in Las Vegas uh, over the summer and following the league intently. Uh, I think uh, roughly how many of the games during the WNBA season do you think you actually watched? There are 204, right? Not counting the All-Star game. How many of them would you guess you actually watched? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think in... I would say like the last of the last three years, like 2017 was probably the year I watched the most total Uh, this year. This year got a little tougher. I would guess maybe somewhere around 140, something like that. Yeah, I was going to put the over under at 150. Have you been watching the uh, playoffs just as intently? Yeah, the play. I mean, the playoffs. Yeah, that's been fun to just really lock in and just, you know, some of those games. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people like we're talking, you know, 
we're recording this is game four happened last night. And I'm sure that's a game of some people even gone back and watched parts of that again. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully I have not had a chance to do that. Instead, we're here tonight uh, talking about uh, hoops. But uh, yeah, I'm not surprised to hear that. Yeah, I was going to guess 150 for you. So I'm not shocked. Does that mean you think you watched over 150 in 2017? Yeah, I was. Th- yeah, probably closer to like 17, probably like one. Yeah, 170, 180 even. Wow. So that is really amazing. Yeah, I wasn't sure how it was going to be uh, now that Vegas is out. Uh, I should mention again for the folks that don't know that you were covering, you moved to Las Vegas for the season, really, and uh, covered them uh, live and in person. So I wasn't quite sure what the experience is like now that Las Vegas has been eliminated and we're just down to Washington and Connecticut. Has it been odd to be watching the game, not having games to go to? Oh, it's, uh, it's definitely disappointing, um, especially for, you know, not not getting a that would have been the one bonus. Like these are the two teams I picked to make the finals, just what I thought would happen. But obviously having a Phoenix, L.A., Vegas, one of those kind of Southwest three make it obviously would have helped me because then it would have been a much easier to go to some games. But, you know, more like more or less, I'm like I'm happy with the way it worked out because I think these are the have kind of been the two best teams in total. Yeah, no, they definitely deserve it. I do have to ask, uh, I know you said you've moved uh, back to uh, sunny San Diego uh, from your uh, summer in uh, Sin City. Did you actually crank uh, Cheryl Crow leaving Las Vegas as you were driving home last time? I did not. And I, to be honest, like that's the first I've heard of that song, but I'll have to go. Are you serious? It is Cheryl Crow, right? I can't believe you don't. uh, I mean... I know I'm old and dating myself with that reference. I put in a nice little Ghostbusters reference that uh, uh, Sterling from uh, PR at the at the Wings was the only person who uh, really commented on. But uh, that's a classic, man. Leaving Las Vegas. Yeah, my I'm I'm not uh, I'm not super proud of like the depth of my music uh, music taste. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, I was. Uh, that's actually, you know, we'll definitely talk about the Who. So that's something I wanted to ask you about. I definitely had a few people wondering what's it like to be. Um, out there. I used to live uh, on the West Coast, but what's it be like to be, you know, in Las Vegas, in San Diego? Do you feel like it really is a pretty strong uh, East Coast bias or exceptionally strong, I guess, really, maybe is my question, East Coast bias for the WNBA? Or do you think it's like appropriate given that, in fact, the ba- you know, the two teams in the finals turned out to be both uh, Washington and Connecticut? Oh, I don't I mean, is, is that like a thing? Do people like think there's an East Coast bias within the WNBA? I bet the teams on the West Coast do. I don't know. I I would. I don't think so. I mean, I think that would be kind of ridiculous. I mean, no one, you know, no one was really. I don't think it was like hating the Sparks as they had this, you know, recent clash with the Lynx, and you know, no one. Really, I don't think anyone really doubted them. And I mean, generally, people were all in on the Aces. You know, just excited that they moved there first of all, and then when the campaign trade happened, you know. A lot of people were calling them mm. like a favorite. And I, you know, I felt like someone who was like relatively down on them because I just didn't think they would necessarily be like a finalist kind of team. And people seem to love Seattle, you know, and how they've kind of risen. Even like before, like the 18 season, like, you know, people were ready for that to happen. And obviously, like Brianna Stewart's pedigree probably played into that. And I don't know, maybe, I don't know if, I mean, I guess like Phoenix fan Phoenix fans, like maybe they would feel like they're made out to be kind of a villain, but like 
I don't know. That's kind of something you should embrace to me. I don't know. Right. Plus they have Sophie Cunningham, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> that definitely contributes. Uh, but yeah, she's, uh, I definitely enjoy her play. Well, no, I've definitely heard a few people uh, that I know ask that question. So uh, it's good to get an honest uh, opinion from that. There's no question on her hoops that we are not uh, as geographically diverse as I would like. And so for, you know, me in particular, it's very hard to uh, stay up for those late games. Uh, and watch uh, the West Coast games, even though there's obviously a lot of good basketball happening there. Well, I mean, like like the Sun with their whole you know disrespect campaign. Like you can, I think you can. It's just you, people are going to convince themselves of whatever they want to convince themselves of, and you know you could like you could. I guess you could say like the women's basketball. Were, I mean, obviously, I'm not the guy to speak like with like this vast historical perspective. You know, of like the past like you know decades upon decades. But I mean, you don't even know Cheryl Crow leaving the Vegas. Come on. <laughs> Um, but I mean, I guess like, I mean, people would generally just also just carry like the fact that there's like a Yukon bias or whatever, but it's like, get mm. over it, get over it. They've been the best program in college. Like, you know, it, and where's ESPN based in Connecticut. So. Yeah. And what's the deal? This is the first finals. Is it ever right? That hasn't had a Yukon is it starter or, um, did you remember that? Did you see that stat? I vaguely remember someone throwing something like that out. I don't remember if it was a starter or what, what exactly they were, what they were throwing out there, but I don't know. It's, it's good. Yeah, no, you definitely yeah. want that geographic diversity. I mean, I'm, I do wonder, you know, how like the ratings and whatnot would uh, be affected. And we could talk a little bit. I, I, I did do a little digging uh, on the ratings because we had a uh, question. I will remind folks if they have questions or comments about the podcast, please email us podcast at herhoopstats.com. And it seems like a good time to give a plug to uh, rate us and review us so more people will find our uh, work. But uh, what I wanted to ask you specifically about the WNBA finals is what do you expect tonight? I'm not going to be the most evergreen uh, podcast here, but what are you looking for in game five? Well, I think it's just like the kind of like the typical game five things, you know, or like a game seven, like, you know, is there going to be that, you know, stretch at the beginning where just, you know, no one makes a shot um, or one of those stretches late in a game where it's just, you know, you feel like, um, you know, you can just kind of feel like the energy, the energy and like the pressure of a, you know, winner take all is just so palpable. Um, you know, I, I, I really think it like this, like the fact that we're at a game five, it really just like strips everything down for me. Like we know, you know, we know like, you know, Washington's got a box out. We know, you know, Connecticut's got to be ready for like an amusement pick and pop, like in Washington spacing, like we know all that stuff. And, and now it's just like, I think it really d- does just come down to like, you know, 40 minutes, like, you know, Connecticut got, you know, got this far. They, you know, they survived that game four and now it's just, you know, it's all on the line and you have, you know, I think you could really, I, I think people might, I imagine like some people will tilt like one way or the other, like, oh, you know, Washington's so banged up and, you know, are they going to like be able to get over like, you know, getting down 18 and then not finishing off game four and then but then connecticut like just the same like they've ridden their starters so hard like you know are you gonna say like oh are they tired now but it's you know it's a game five and this is this is what you live for and this is you know this is what it's all about yeah anything can happen you know i was uh triple checking my memory i didn't realize uh that it had been now four out of the last five finals have gone to uh game five just last year's uh sweep was the only one and yeah right at this point it's one game anything can happen 
Uh, in particular, it's going to be interesting to see how the travel affects things. It's a really quick turnaround. I saw Blake Dudonis confirm that uh, his in-laws flew uh, commercial. Uh, no word on whether Holly Rowe was able to uh, get a, po- a private plane or not. But uh, so they traveled commercial. Uh, and even though it's not that far of flight, nothing like cross country, right? Mohegan Sun isn't, I don't think, the easiest to get to is my understanding. So um, I'll really be interested to see like how Elena's back holds up and you know just all the injuries christy looked like she had some moments as well so definitely felt like uh washington is not you know teetering health-wise maybe i'm not sure if that's the right phrase but uh not quite at full strength i think that's for sure well no you're right Ed. i think and i think of it like that's what i should have said is really it's it's just you know when what does deladon look like like is it are we going to see a game three version where she's just she's a total shell of herself she's just standing at the three-point line she's not involved as a screener not trying to post up not obviously definitely not trying to like face someone up and and like take him to the rim pull up on him or game four where like she kind of picks some spots and obviously that makes a huge difference and and Tolliver yeah like she took that fall and um at different points like grimacing and not exactly like you know looking like she was you know a hundred percent there and just like her general aggression level obviously makes a difference. Cause I think like overall, like if, you know, in game, in game three, it seemed like, you know, just the fact that Delon was out there and they just, and, but really it, game three was about like Tolliver, just like returning to form a little bit and like hitting some of those ridiculous shots off the dribble. But without that in game four, and then Deladon even picking some spots, like, they were playing a lot of one-on-one and like, they just weren't like, they didn't look like they'd really found a groove and it feels like you're kind of, you know, like they're, they kind of seem like they're feeling it out just as everyone else like wants to know, like the answer of like what the, where those two are at health wise. Like it's, it does like, there definitely are like some challenges that come with that when like, they don't really know how that's going to play out across 40 minutes. Yeah. And really, I mean, that game, it was just, it was like 25 to 10, I think early, I recall Connecticut. And, you know, a lot of that, some of it was the flow of the offense, but some of it, they just missed shots, right? I I think that I remember that Washington was two for 10 early on. And so, you know, some of that's a little bit of randomness, uh, you know, putting on my uh, statistician hat. And so, you know, the same thing is going to happen. It's a make or miss league, as everybody says. And sometimes you get the shot. Like Atkins definitely got a good, was, was, or no, was it Powers that got the good three look for the three yeah. um, at the end yesterday? And it just didn't fall a little bit long. And, uh, I mean, it's definitely a makeable shot. And, um, you know, there's no question it's evenly matched uh, teams. It's going to be really exciting. It, you know, it all just depends on how things go. It's been like in every other game, uh, kind of. Rhythm is not the right word, but just seems someone's on, someone's off uh, every other game. So maybe that bodes well for Washington tomorrow, especially at home. Well, I mean, you would hope the home court advantage kind of helps them kind of have a big shooting night, you know, that like an Ariel Atkins can have like three threes in the first quarter or, you know, one of their players off the bench, something like that. You would, that's kind of the lift you would hope for. And that, and, you know, whereas Connecticut, like they, so much of their success this year was just riding that how well they played at home. So now, you know, this is really, you know, Washington earned this and now, you know, we'll see if it, you know, we come away feeling like it really was a big part of what swung swings it for them. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, I'm, I'm, it's going to be exciting. Uh, as uh, Elena said, post game, I hope people better be tuning in tomorrow. Yeah. Well, and you, and you mentioned like, we're going to talk ratings. Like it's, I haven't, it, I felt like there were, 
before in the seasons before this season, like we heard a lot more about like what you know, like what they were. And ESPN was like really like their their PR department was like really putting them out there. And this year I don't it hasn't been mm. I haven't noticed mm. that. Interesting. Much. I don't uh, have much as a rec- rec- as much of a recollection of that. Of course I don't well, you know, very candidly would say that I don't have uh, as much of history as well. I did look it up because obviously yesterday a lot of the talk was something that we had talked about early in the season. Uh, earlier in the series, excuse me, that uh, the game was on ESPN2. So we did get a question about kind of how the ratings compared. I, I was actually a little bit surprised because uh, there was irritation that there was an NBA preseason game on ESPN and the WNBA finals were a potentially clinching game uh, were relegated to ESPN2 uh, in the minds of uh, the WNBA Twitterverse. So I did uh, do a little research. It turns out that the WNBA game last night, uh, game four, had 312,000 viewers, it looks like. And that NBA preseason game actually had 720, so more than double, which uh, I got to say surprised me. Did you expect the NBA one of less? I'm not sure that I expected it to have less, but, um, you know, it's just the interest in the NBA, I guess, continues to grow. And uh, so I yeah. was it's not so much the relative. I was just kind of surprised at the size of the, the number for the NBA in general. So, yeah, I'm of uh, two minds about ESPN putting it on ESPN, too, I think. What do you what do you think about that? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, like on some level, I don't I don't always really know what to say at all. And it, it's like if you look at like what they did with the finals this year, like there was that big gap, which was strange. But if you really game it out, you know, like, well, first, like to start off the finals, like they did get an ABC game out of it. Like, that's nice. Like kind of yeah. going in the same idea, like ABC is a channel people are going to have, obviously. And and then but then stuff like the gap and it's like, okay, like it, I guess it's kind of weird, but like, is this something that's really a thing? Cause like, what are really the options, you know, like, okay, maybe like Friday, like you'd really make a case for Cause like, you know, I don't, I don't want to watch WNBA games where they have one day in between, especially when they're traveling, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, not a want... game five. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, I, you don't, I don't think you want the every other day schedule just cause they, it's not the same it's not the same fine commercial versus like if you're looking at it through an NBA lens, right. Where they get in that night and then you're really there for the whole day. Um, so when, when all this stuff comes up, I mean, it's, we don't know enough. I mean, a lot of us don't know enough into like what, like how it really comes about. I mean, especially like with the dates, I would just guess like, you know, ESPN kind of just says like, here's what we have. And and that's kind of what happens. Yeah. Especially I think that four day gap had to be driven by, uh having college football on saturday and espn's commitment to that and the viewership that they get relative to you know 300 400 people that i guess would watch the WNBA finals on a saturday night at the same time i think that's a proven basketball time slot uh since they have been featuring the nba on abc on saturday nights uh, after football season ends but um but yeah no i'm sure that was very much driven by college football and espn yeah it's i mean it's I, I you know I think it's like I think it's I think two things can be true right like it, it can be possible to uh, you know kind of make a case like you know this game why not bump it to ESPN say use that using that example or you know something like a long gap or or you know 
long stretch if a if there's no WNBA regular season game on national TV. Like obviously there's like a time and a place to like kind of like look at ESPN's decision making through a critical lens, but at the same time, like it's just you know like who else is showing the games? Like it's you know yeah at the same no, time, I, I just I just find it hard to just really jump on ESPN you know in in whole yeah I, I don't know hundred percent I think that. Uh... You know, I'm a little biased since uh, I know I've uh, been fortunate to get to know a little bit some of the people there. But you know, I think they're doing you know great stuff for women's basketball, women's sports in general, right? Softball has been getting a lot of coverage as well. Um, and I think that um, you know I'm all about kind of celebrating the success. Uh, the ESPN two thing is interesting. You know, at some level, like to me, that's irrelevant. I mean, it's just as easy for me to. Well, I've got FiOS, right? So it's like a five seventy or five seventy four. I mean, it's easy to. Uh, follow that uh, i mean i remember being a little confused when the nba went to their weird turner slash espn deal that they have now where you really got to pay attention to what time games are on for the nba and what channel and so to me it just feels you know par for the course but then at the same time i also think it is very symbolic and so if it's uh easy enough for you know wnba fans to find the game then why not flip you know as you said bump it to uh, ES, the, the WNBA finals to ESPN, the NBA fans still would have found it on ESPN too. And I know there's a little bit less uh, viewership, but I don't think it's tremendous, right? It's nothing like having to have a game on ESPN U or ESPN News or whatever. So if it's not material, you know, either way, then, you know, why not do it? I actually thought there was a chance with everything that's going on uh, in the NBA side of things and, and the, the China situation to you know there, there was a chance for them to maybe get some goodwill or even just in general you would think they would want to do that for goodwill each year just a couple of games against the preseason take what i think would be an incredibly minor hit for nba ratings uh for a chance to you know help showcase the women's uh, the women's game and their investment in women's sports yeah i mean this, like this case like this case is obviously like it's a totally fair one to make like yeah why not just flip it to send that message and um i think like i think that obviously like has that point has a lot of merit because i think that's like that's really like one of the overlying things that extends like beyond just like you know espn's broadcasting decisions right it's it's you know the little things that pile up over time where you know the league can either be completely overlooked or you know shoved in this corner you know hey stay over here and things like that so i mean i think that is kind of a lot of ultimately what a lot of this is and yeah, like a decision like last night in isolation, obviously, like, yeah, it would have been a nice gesture, but didn't happen. Yeah, but it would have been some good uh, PR at a time that uh, the NBA sorely needs it. Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a, uh, that's a topic like, uh, like many have said, like, I, you know, I uh, am not well versed stuff versed on enough to, uh, to really wade into that. Yeah, one thing I am going to be, I mean, there's, in general, uh, obviously, I'm for freedom of expression, uh, but I also think that I do do not know enough of the cultural history there of China to understand uh, their perspective completely. Um, but at the same time, it's been interesting to see what's been going on the past few days. And I noticed um, that not only, uh, as I think I mentioned before we started recording, that there was a free Hong Kong sign at a Sixers game on Monday that was removed in the arena. And then apparently there was one tonight um as we're recording this wednesday night there was one for the wizards game and so it makes me wonder uh you know whether something's going to happen 
uh, on Thursday, whether it'll be a similar uh, situation there. So it'll definitely be something to monitor. And, you know, there hasn't been really been a lot of coverage, uh, I think, probably because we're all excited about uh, these amazing finals, but just kind of the longer term situation there, especially with Josiah now uh, owning the Liberty. So that's definitely going to be something I'll be interested to see what, uh, you know, how the WME handles that going forward. I mean, I think it's an interesting situation because everybody's used to playing abroad and playing in countries that don't, uh, you know, necessarily share the same uh, perspective as the U.S. So I think it's a very different uh, situation, but definitely one uh, worth monitoring. Absolutely. So we did get one other uh, question uh, about the WNBA finals. Uh, Gabe Ibrahim, Big Cuba 16, right, I think on Twitter, if I remember that correctly, correctly, he asked, who is your uh, finals MVP and why is it Alyssa Thomas? So who is your finals uh, MVP right now? Yeah, you know, if if we had to, uh, you know, I guess like the way to look at it is like if we, if the series were to have ended yesterday, um, you know, it, for Washington, like for Washington, it would have been tough. You know, I think, I think Misa men and obviously like in a world where, you know, Washington play, you know, closes those final five minutes and things look different. You know, maybe Tolliver gets in there too. If she hits some big shots, I would guess those are probably the two Washington names that, that have to be considered. And, or, you know, just Deladon, if she, like, somehow, like, has this monster game. And for Connecticut, I think it would have to be Alyssa Thomas. I think for them to win, I would I can't imagine um, a scenario where she isn't uh, kind of their, still their standout, regardless of how tomorrow plays out. Um, you know, I mean, we like, we're, we're constantly reminded, like, she's constantly on the floor. We hear about the labrums and everything, but just, like, but, like, what she's actually doing, like, you know, when she helps them get out and run, like that drives so much of their success and and she's another force for them on the boards and you know, in a way like she, you know, she kinda she's kinda the you know, her and Jasmine Thomas are kind of the spirit of that team, but it's it's really been, you know, Alyssa Thomas that's kinda just, you know, Courtney Williams is kinda waxed and waned and it's always, you know, do they get John Cole Jones the ball enough? But, you know, Alyssa Thomas has kinda been the she's been the kind of their steadying presence uh, for these last couple of years. And that's kind of, that's played out here. No, no doubt. Yeah. I think, uh, if the sun win, then it seems like clearly she'll be the, the MVP. And if the sun lose clearly, clearly she won't, but, uh, I guess it's good that we didn't have to vote, uh, today after just those first four games, but I will be very interested to see how that plays out. Yeah. She is so amazing. I'm a, I'm rooting for an overtime game, not just because for the drama, but so that she can, I believe then she will have the record for, uh, minutes in the final. So that'd be pretty sweet. And the whole labrum thing, I just don't get it. Um, do you feel like you understand that injury and, and what that really means in her case? Well, like the, I mean, to very, I mean, on very general terms, I mean, just the fact that like you can't not being able to like lift your shoulders uh, without experiencing a ton of pain, just like not having the ability to, to like consist like constantly repeat like an actual jump shot and like get the ball into the air and not just shoot like a laser beam like i think that i mean i like that part of it just like on a very surface level but i mean but beyond that like in a way like i don't just because like the fact that she's managed to play with it for so long and it's 
it it would be some it would be interesting to have kind of like a freaky friday situation and understand like what that what that feels like throughout a course of a game and even a season you know and what I know, so obviously, right. So it makes sense to me that it would like affect her free throws. But I feel like I do see her raise her arms like on a layup or going for a rebound sometimes. So is she just in incredible pain then when that happens? Or is it something about the shooting motion that's different? That part uh, baffles me. It's just insane to me that she can play uh, with not just one, but two torn labrums as uh, we know. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I hope like I hope at some point like she's able to actually get that done. And like it obviously like it's brought up that she can just make a lot more money playing overseas. So that's obviously like it, it's obviously like there's an obvious benefit for her to continue to trudge through it. But it, you know, it would be nice to see like what would happen if she were able to play at, at at full strength. Yeah. Who does she, do you know who she plays for overseas? No, not off the top of my head. I do not. So yeah. A lot of uh, good radio there. Uh, yeah, we did not uh, do research on that one. That's how you know that this is a uh, extemporaneous improv uh, kind of uh, podcasting. Thanks again for uh, bear withing, uh, withing, bearing with us. So I can't even say that straight. But um, but yeah, no, she definitely, it's just been so impressive and so great to uh, watch her. I think uh, on the Mystics, I, uh, you know, we, I've been pro Emma Mieseman for really playoffs MVP. I think there's no question. I think it really it's all going to just boil back down to who the best uh, player is tomorrow both in terms of you know who's going to win the game and who's going to win the series i mean john Cole jones has had been amazing at, at points but other times uh has been kind of i don't know floating is quite the right word but certainly neutralized you know we did that stat that we tweeted out about um how washington did a great job boxing her out uh in game three, Rebecca Lobo was asking about that. So our Calvin Witzel uh, went back and kind of rewatched everything and charted it and found that we, uh, the Mystics boxed her out 38 out of 42 times. And many of those uh, were even really kind of before the shot went up. I, you know, I, when he came back to me with those numbers, I was like, really? That seems really surprising. But there's no question. You know, they're laying a body on him even before. Uh, you know, before they even start shooting. And then in the cases where you see that the player is clearly going to go up and take a shot, you know, the mystics were just looking for her and uh, getting a body on her every time. So it wasn't, wasn't as much of a big impacting game for, but uh, definitely something to watch in game five. Yeah. Well, and, and JJ is interesting because like, she hasn't like in, in total, like she hasn't had an awesome year from three and in a way like that is really, that's really kind of like the biggest or what's one of the biggest kind of areas, potential areas of growth for her. Like there was a shot she took in game four, kind of just like she, she'll take that one dribble step back, pull it. And on the broadcast, remember them calling it a bad shot. And obviously like it's possible, it's possible like that that isn't the best shot in that time. But like, that's like, that's the kind of shot, like the, you know, fully actualized version of her is going to be making. And if she can, if she can manage to get comfortable and knock a couple down in game five, I guess that would be something you would point to too, because like I've, as I've started to think more about like, kind of just like think about, you know, the season coming to an end here and kind of looking back on some of the things that I thought, you know, thought and maybe things that have surprised me. And, you know, I felt like a big question for Connecticut was like, okay, okay. Like, can they just like get JJ the ball enough? But, that's not you know that's really not her game to just like catch it at you know 12 feet and just like you know totally back you down and just you know physically overpower you and you know if she can get more out of the three and be like this player that's getting run off of screens 
which we see sometimes like that's that with the rebounding and protecting the basket and that that things like that like that's kind of the the final piece that you know had they like had they had that from like the start of the series like it, that's i think that's like big enough of a factor that could really swing swing this if they even if they played the mystics at you know 100 percent. indeed indeed um yeah no that yeah i think that's great uh definitely very excited for game five i think about 24 hours from uh now there will be a new uh WNBA champion it will be their first uh championship for that uh organization either way uh so i'm really excited and really interested in seeing uh what's gonna happen Given that, that means that uh, WNBA is ramping up. So NCAA is uh, right around the corner. Um, one thing we have, have you started to really kind of map out what you're thinking about uh, or expecting to happen in the uh, NCAA season? Do you think the Pac-12 is really going to be that good? Oh, that that's, I mean, that's no question. I mean, the, the, the I think last, like last year, it was like a really interesting discussion. If you wanted to debate like who, like who the best teams were, but I think, or the best conferences, sorry. And like the deepest is, is uh, to me what that conversation is really about. Um, but like with like Notre Dame, you know, graduating their five seniors, obviously like that, the ACC takes a hit there in terms of like having like a, you know, a no doubt, no doubt about it contender. Um, it, you know, the, with Oregon at the top, Oregon state, Stanford, and just, uh, like they're four through seven, four through eight, four through nine. Like those, like those teams, I think is just where they're so solid. Um, and then, obviously, at the top, like you have to have people who are actually going to win it all. And and I think that's you know that's kind of the big the big intrigue is like the fact that the Pac-12 also has like these three teams that are like at very different stages. You know, Oregon was right there last year and they returned so much, and and Stanford's going to have all these freshmen, and then Oregon State they had they like they had a lot and they got pretty far but they weren't you know watching last year they weren't totally what you know they definitely didn't hit their absolute ceiling and but it's obvious to see that it's there for them yeah no uh as a uh, i went to stanford for grad school so lived for a while uh on the uh west coast so i'm definitely really excited to see uh what the pack well pack 10 when i was there but what the pack 12 uh is going to do this year you are very fortunate to uh be living there in california and having uh a much easier time than I will uh, to watch all those uh, Pac-12 games. By the way, do you get the uh, Pac-12 network? Uh, I don't. I use. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I you use, find a way though, right? You persevere. Yeah, they have. Uh, there's once there's like a couple streaming, a couple of those streaming like TV providers that have it. I use one of those and just kind of it's it's what it takes. So obviously, like I obviously like I echo what everyone else says. It'd be nice if the Pac-12 were more the network are more accessible, but I want to cover the conference. So going to, you know, figure out a way to stream those games. Definitely. Definitely. And the other um, perk of uh, living in California and the NCAA is that's where all the uh, news really started about the name image and likeness uh, legislation that Gavin Newsom, the governor just signed uh, hanging out with uh, LeBron and also Diana Taurasi. I don't know if you've noticed was in that uh, video as well. So, I thought it'd be interesting to chat a little bit. What are your thoughts on the name and image and likeness reform that's going on, I guess, the direction that everything's heading? Well, and, and Mark Few had those very recent comments that really have uh, have really uh, thrown gas. I think I missed that. Was he anti uh, the, the name image, image likeness stuff? 
Yeah, and he really went after Newsom, just basically telling it, you know, saying, mm. you know, paraphrasing, but you know, that you know he has that he sh- as the governor he should have bigger issues to work up, to worry about, and just you know, it, it's I, I don't know, and I, I don't, I'm not, I don't feel, you know, I don't, I don't really know what to say about the topic. Like, yeah, I want to see a way to get it figured out, but just. I don't know. It just, it's such a big, it's so big a thing. It just, I don't know, you know, and it, it's, you hate to see it, especially like for some, you know, we're talking about the PAC 12, like for somebody like Sabrina, you know, who stayed in school when she could have gone out and probably been the number one pick. And even when she does end up in the WNBA, like, as we know, like, it's not like, especially on this side of it, it's not like, uh, it's not like the rookie scale is this exorbitant amount of money and, there's no doubt that like, she might, she might've taken a pay cut, right. If that law was in effect right now. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that idea kind of posited and, and, and like, and you know, some of these, at least for some of the, the, the best of the best, like women's basketball programs, like consistent over time, obviously like those are like huge, like huge assets to their uh, university in the grand scheme of things. And just in terms of like being, you know, being really up there and just like, and what they what they generate for the school? Yeah, no, I think I'm definitely uh, pro giving the player as most I think people are giving uh, people the right to uh, earn that money. I think that um, you know, especially the biggest stars are, um, you know, certainly are generating that revenue for the NCAA and and deserve it. And you know, it's really fascinating to think about how it's going to play out cuz like Sabrina could run a camp in in California where she's from, but I also wonder like what happens uh if the players start to be a part of the coaches camps as well, right? Like the name image and likeness could be going on, you know, for, you know, a camp at Stanford or something and the, you know, sort of create some interesting alignments there with kind of the coaches effectively kind of paying the player there. Yeah. I, it, I don't know. It's, it's a, uh, it's not a, uh, it's something I'm, it's something I'm definitely more excited to read about than to talk about as, uh, as I try to just sit back and kind of watch it unfold. Yeah. I think it'll be good in the long term. I think definitely, you know, we have, it's really interesting how our, youth sports uh, or kind of sports development some of it so much of it really depends on college and um you know so i think given that you know more so on the men's side with the giant tv revenue for the ncaa men's basketball tournament but uh you know it just seems like when so much money's involved even you know the salaries of a lot of the coaches um of the big programs you know it just seems that we've kind of effectively professionalized it already. And so, you know, why not kind of make that a little more transparent? You know, definitely a lot of my uh, takes on it or a lot of the, you know, I've read a little bit, read Michael McCann from Sports Illustrated, gotten uh, a lot of information from uh, Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander, especially their eye on college basketball podcast. Shout out to the two of them. Shout out to uh, Devin Downey and shout out to anyone else that uh, gets that reference and also listens because they listen to that podcast <laughs> in this one. And, uh, you know, definitely, you know, it just seems like a no brainer. They've kind of made the point that, you know, the best teams already have the most money and are using it. And so, not really going to dramatically shift um you know who's going to get the best recruits they're still going to be able to do it uh either way you know the best programs on the women's side are are still going to get the the big names and you know it's not going to give 
UConn that much more of an advantage per se. Um, and, you know, I think there is a chance if you get a very motivated uh, booster to get, to uh, have a pathway to help some of the uh, kind of mid-tier schools uh, ramp up even more. But especially in uh, women's basketball, where players are staying, you know, usually four years, that, um, you know, really, since I think so much of the focus tends to be on, uh, has to be on developing the players, right? I mean, no one thought Sabrina, I mean, she was obviously uh, very highly ranked, but I think she, my sense is that she succeeded um, the expectations for her when she was a freshman, right? I mean, when she was a college, a high school senior. Oh, that's a good question. Um, expectations as a freshman. Um, I mean, she was seen as a program changer, um, for sure. Like the, right. The, like the, like, the, I love the story. Like, it's awesome. Like how, how, like she showed up on Oregon's campus unannounced the last official day and just kind of walked into the gym and, you know, Kelly Gray's, you know, obviously like overjoyed, like just gave her a big hug, like, um, and like, like being where she's from, like, like Cal Berkeley, like that was like, kind of like a big, a big hope for them that they could have landed her. So I, I don't know. It's, I'm not, uh, I'm not as, uh, firmly planted in kind of the recruiting world too, to really know, you know, what, you know, when plus, plus like I wouldn't, unless I, it was like, I were really like seriously doing it. I wouldn't really want to be really in the business of, you know, looking at, you know, a 14 year old, 16 year old, even younger, like, you know, Oh, is this going to be, you know, the next great thing, the next great pro. Like, I just think like generally like avoiding that is just like my default. Yeah. Having a middle schooler, it's just insane to me that uh, these players are being ranked already. Yeah, it's, uh, it's tough. It's, uh, I don't know. It's, I mean, there are like, there are, you know, like ESPNW, like just had an article, like about, you know, some of the top, um, some of the top, like unsigned, you know, players and just, I don't know. It, it's just, it's, but once, you know, once, once the ball goes up, like, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's more about what the player's done, right? Like Megan Walker, like at UConn is like, still like this player, like watching like every UConn game these last couple of years, I still feel like I know so little about her, even just like as a, from a basketball perspective, right? Cause she's just been overshadowed by like some bigger names, yep. but without fail, you're going to hear, you know, former number one, you know, ranked recruit Megan Walker. Definitely. Definitely. So, um, yeah, no, it'll be definitely going to be an interesting season. It's going to be fascinating to see how the landscape uh, changes and just how quickly it will change, too. Um, I know California's bill, I think, goes into effect maybe January 2023, I want to say. Um, but some of these other bills that are uh, being introduced in other states are uh, potentially much, much sooner. So cool. Okay, well, we've gone for about uh, 40 minutes already, Ben. And uh, unlike you, I'm here on the East Coast. And uh, <laughs> so it's getting a little bit late. I want to try and get the everything published uh, before not too long. So I think maybe we should uh, call it a night. Uh, one thing, though, um, sometimes we do uh, like to talk about uh, fun little uh, topics. And uh, so I didn't prep you on this, but I wanted to ask, because I was thinking about, did you see the... Uh, uh, a shot of Swin Cash watching, uh, I think it was Nikhil Alexander Walker, the rookie for the Pelicans. It was must have been their first game or maybe it was an open practice since they had all the rookies seeing in some kind of like hazing uh, ritual. Did you catch that? I did not. No. Oh, he, uh, 
gave a very impassioned rendition of uh one th- of a thousand miles i think that's uh Vanessa Carlton. I don't know if you're the person asked that. Or not, <laughs> uh, do you know that song? Yeah, yeah, I know that one. So he, I mean, he was into it. He was moving his arms. He was, uh, you know, got down on his knees. He was fired up. But uh, I don't think that uh, he's not a budding. Uh, is it Erica McCall, right? That's what that saying with. Uh, with Carrie Underwood, yeah, yeah, not, yeah, not quite the same situation. So there's this <laughs> unbelievable shot of Swin Cash just kind of looking at him uh, while this is going on at the end of uh, the clip. So it made me wonder, I was wondering what sort of memes that you see out there on the internet uh, that you think you relate to the most or uh, you conceivably might do or something like that, have a similar, similar look, similar action. Is there anything like that uh, on your side that pops into your mind? Oh, that I relate to the most? Um, well, yeah, just sort of like that could be you, I guess. Yeah. Um, that's a really tough question off the top of my head. Um, I'm trying to you can try and stall. I can play, I can try and sing the Jeopardy music. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think and I'm trying to like, think more, think something more basketball. Um, yeah, for me, it's definitely, I think that, um, there's like the eyebrows guy who like opens up his uh, eyes really bright. I forget. I, I I saw this. There's this fascinating thread I saw over the summer about like the origin of some of these crazy memes. Like the guy that uh, you know is pointing at his head because um, he thinks you know he's sort of like outsmarting everybody in some way. Uh, I, I forget. You know, I don't really know the names false. I don't really even know what the names are of the memes. But yeah, there's the one of the guy where he's just like blinking and sort of like what's going on. Um, and it's like out of some crazy, the origins of some of these memes are insane, but I definitely, uh, as you know, talk a lot, uh, and you knew that before tonight and, uh, you know, talk very fast and expressive. And so, um, no question. I'm like moving my eyebrows all the time while I'm talking. So it's a good thing that we're uh, on the podcast here and people can't see me doing that. We were uh, simulcasting this on uh, YouTube or something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, like I, I like right now, like I didn't, I like gravitate more towards like, like Marvel, like any Marvel mm. cinematic universe content. So not, I can't think of a lot of basketball stuff, but just like, I don't know. I like, I, that's like anything, like anything guardians of the galaxy, like is where, like is where I'm at most of the time. Like, and you know, I guess, I guess like one of their, like from like, and like from Avengers Endgame, like, just like the moment, like when uh, when uh, Thor's on the ship with them, and spoiler the alert, let's let's just say that spoiler alert first. I guess I guess so. Um, I everybody in the world has seen that already. Yeah, um, like that moment, like that moment of like his like ego struggle with um, with Chris Pratt as Star Lord, like that. Um, are you Thor? Or are you Chris Pratt in that uh, scene? Um, well, well, I like, I like with, like with one of my friends, like, argue, like we argue about it, like which one we are. Oh. Cause like, cause like Thor, because well, you know, Thor is like the God and obviously like, yeah. um, the strongest, the strongest Avenger and Chris Pratt, like there's a lot of jokes about like, you know, he's gained a few pounds and like, he's, obviously he's a God too though, man. Come on get it straight. Yeah. Yeah. But like that, like that, that, uh, that playful part, that playful dynamic, and the movie has always resonated with me and um, yeah, I don't know. It's a weird, it's a, that's a really, it's a weird question to get asked, but uh, 
know. Whether you're Thor or uh, Star Lord. My wife, well, okay, we can close with this. My wife told me today that uh, she saw a preview for some new Disney animated movie, and it has, in fact, uh, Chris Pratt and Tom Holland uh, apparently play brothers that are trolls. So be interested to see how that's different than every other animated uh, troll movie that I've seen with my family. I'm sure that uh, you've probably not seen any of them. I'm just going to be my guest since you're not, uh, they're not age appropriate uh, for a, a young guy like yourself. I have not. <laughs> There's some good ones though. So um, cool. Okay. Well, again, thanks a lot, Ben. I really appreciate it and looking forward to, uh, you know, staying in touch, watching the game tomorrow and, uh, you know, seeing how things go uh, for the rest of October and into the college basketball season. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Cool. And thanks, everybody, for listening and staying with us uh, for these uh, almost 50 minutes. Once again, I'll ask you uh, if you have any questions or comments or requests, please uh, email us podcast at herhoopsats.com. And of course, rate and review the, the, the podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Um, all those things really kind of help us out, increase awareness of our work. And also, I'd ask you to subscribe to the herhoopsats.com site uh, where we have all kinds of uh, traditional and advanced uh, basketball stats. It's only $20 a year. And that's the, you know, really the driver that's going to help us be a sustainable uh, organization going forward. As you know, our goal at uh, Herb Stats is to unlock better insight about the women's game. Uh, ben certainly does that in his coverage, and we really appreciate his time. And thanks, everybody. And let's root for a great uh, game five. find cars like these on auto trader like that car riding right your tail or if you're tailgating right now all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on auto trader too are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time well multitasking pro cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader